We work really hard in our lives at becoming something, you know, defining ourselves in a certain way and also like seeking comfort and then life comes along and sort of takes those things away from us. This is a single tree podcast. Republic Tigers opened at the top and uh, they're a band from Kansas City. And that's a great song. If you wanted to know, it's a good song. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Did I say this is a single tree podcast? You did. <laughs> I'll say it again. Just, you know, so everybody knows who we are. Say it slower. <laughs> this is a single tree podcast. <laughs> Make sure everybody can hear it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's all about making sure you establish your identity. That's right. We exist life. now. Right. Because we have a name. Mm-hmm. And we say some words about ourselves. We say lots of words. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that people really like to do is to be able to categorize themselves, put themselves in a group, or even just have a way to define themselves. Like, you know, we feel like that gives us an identity. Mm -hmm. And what we were suggesting last time is that people sort of let go of concepts about who they are or even concepts about what they believe and how they look at the world in order to gain a greater awareness, um, expand consciousness, right? And so thinking about why people wouldn't want to do that or how that's uncomfortable, I was thinking that's partly because we like to have words that we say about ourselves. Yeah, words and labels and identities uh-huh. yeah yeah because it because it helps us define ourselves you know yeah which you know we were talking about i don't know if it was in the last podcast or the podcast before where there's this biological force working in us right that wants to organize itself and you know, like keep it, keep itself like together. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's just that, that force at work, right? Mm-hmm. Through identifying with, with labels mm-hmm. and finding different identities. It's that, it's that force just working to try to regulate itself and keep itself together. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's also differentiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like even differentiation of species. Mm-hmm. We like to have some type of shape, some type of function. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because we we, we like to be known. We, we like to differentiate ourselves from others, from our surroundings. Once we give ourselves a shape and a definition, then, you know, we have a role. Maybe we have a purpose, too. Like a, like a function. Yeah. You have a function in the ecosystem or whatever, right? And so that is something that helps us feel like we're alive and our life has some meaning. 
right? Yeah, that's kind of what I what I'm thinking is that it you know it helps us stay stay organized, but even kind of more basic on a basic level than that it it helps us feel like we exist. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason that we do it. Yeah, because if we don't uh if we don't have identities mm-hmm. um or things that we identify with, right? Or even thoughts and feelings, then the sense is is that we go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We are no one. Right. But I would probably argue that's not true at all. I mean, we're, there's just pure, kind of like we talk about sometimes, like there's just this pure uh-huh. beingness or consciousness that that's, that's there even when there's no yeah. identities or thoughts or feelings that beingness right? yeah. is there. You're existing. I, I think You're still we, there. Yeah, I think we, you know, we all want to learn to be more present. Right. And and so that's kind of the practice of just being consciousness or being beingness. Mm -hmm. And um, but, uh, you know, this this maybe impulse or desire or drive to, like, define ourselves in a certain way runs counter to that. You know, Uh if you need to, like, be someone to someone be something to someone else or you know fit into a a certain mold or or category or whatever you know it's really it's the more you get into that sort of or give way to that sort of um, drive or desire or impulse then the less you're able to just be just be present just be just be consciousness yeah because you know if you're identified with something then in some ways you you know you become it yeah <laughs> you become it and you become a slave to it right so it's i mean a simple maybe a crude example but a simple one would be like you know saying you know having the feeling or the emotion of anger and saying i'm angry well you know that that experience is there right and then you know once once you attach to it or identify with it it's Uh like you're angry you're Uh you kind of become it Uh uh-huh yeah you can become consumed by it sure once you've decided that you're angry and put a a word to it then i find it difficult to not be angry anymore because I've already said that I was. Well, it, it energizes it <laughs> yeah. from my perspective. Yeah. It, Maybe it, that's just me. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, if, I have a similar experience where it, it energizes it. If I'm mm-hmm. if an emotion ar- arises and I'm really find myself attaching to it and I say, you know, I, I am angry or, or whatever, any emotion, then mm-hmm. It it energizes it. So why wouldn't it be the same way with like I'm yeah interesting uh, husband wife daughter Republican Democrat why would it not do the same thing uh-huh. right yeah because once you define yourself in one way and then you somehow aren't that way anymore you change 
then you have to go back and say, I'm not husband, wife, daughter, Republican, yeah. Democrat. I'm something else. Yeah. Or not any of those things. Yeah. And then people are, think you're weird and they don't know how to define you or think about you or yeah. what box to put you in. And they get uncomfortable. And then you kind of feel like you're not a person because you haven't defined yourself in some way. Well, yeah, because then you kind of start feeling alone a little bit or mm -hmm. estranged or misunderstood because mm -hmm. if you don't identify with anyone, other people don't, you know, we're scared. Well, other people either aren't going to like us or not going to know how to identify with us and they'll mm -hmm. feel weird around us. And I can't deal with that. You know, I don't want to. Right. Don't want to deal with that. So I better. Right. Identify with something so people know how to relate to me. Right. Another thing, well, people, people like to talk about themselves. And so people gravitate toward these like personality inventories, assessments, you know, there's lots of different ones. They're all, you know, some of them have some similarities like the Enneagram stuff that helps you, you know, categorize all your, who you are and all your behavior into a number or an animal or, you know, a color or something like that. And, um, you know, people love those things because it helps them find a way to talk about themselves. Right. And, you know, I mean, you have to approach those things with, uh, some measure, um, because, you know, they, they will define you and some of the things that the ways that they describe you will be accurate and some of them will be inaccurate or, you know, just sort of like maybe ill-fitting. Um, and, you know, that going into it. But, you know, we, we like to have this definition or this, um, this identity that helps us tell ourselves about, tell others about ourselves and um, differentiate ourselves from other people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I've always, I've always sort of been. Um, I, th I found it helpful to like think about people and as just having many dimensions in their personality instead of thinking of like them in categorical terms. You know that they're they just fit into this umbrella of this one description. A number or you know a certain type of personality um, that can be just described in a lot of words but can't really encompass the whole of who someone is well, right? has, has that been helpful it's just helpful because like <laughs> you know when you're talking to someone and you assume that they're going to behave or think a certain way because of their personality and then inevitably they surprise you then it's not so troubling to try to fit that into your framework about who they are. You just add it to as a dimension to their personality. Okay. You know what I mean? It's more flexible then. And it's more flexible. So yeah. if, then if you're not as, like a practical example would be like, if you saw me do something and it was kind of new, right? Yeah. The approach that you take is, well, this is a new thing and I'd, have this flexibility that I'm yeah. using and even though this is a new thing I don't need to be upset or 
irritated or anxious about this new thing that I'm seeing from Brandon. Right. I'm just adding it to my, I'm just adding it as another dimension to Brandon. And right. Probably what that looks like is that that lends itself to the richness and the stability of the relationship. Yeah, because then I don't have to like get mad at me for being different. <laughs> yeah, or work really hard to like reform my framework about who you are. Mm. You know what I mean? Again, we we like for other people to be predictable and like to be able to, you know know them and and uh, put them in a box or a category mm -hmm. that helps us understand their all their behavior and like who they are and the who they are to us. Yeah, the yeah. predictability. Yeah. And so, but, you know, it allows people to change if you can see that they just have different dimensions and it's possible that they might be different than you thought or just change over time. You know, like, like one of those dimensions is like introversion, extroversion, right? It's the easy one. And I'm introverted and I hate it, you know. So sometimes there are certain times when I'm talkative, outgoing, maybe even and like more uh, boisterous than I normally would be. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everybody looks at me like, what's wrong with you, you know, or, or like surprised, you know what I mean? And, uh, so that, you know, people don't really want to allow you to change or be different than they normally expect you to be. Yeah. You know, or, or if you're, if you, if you, people typically think of you as like unemotional, right. And then you show an emotion and everyone's like, Oh, I didn't know that you had emotions or whatever. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't allow you to like be flexible and change or to change. Yeah. To, to like sort of adapt to changing circumstances. Well, and that's kind of the funny thing is that like we do that to each other, right? Put uh -huh. one another in boxes or whatever and want this predictability. But isn't what we all want is freedom and f flexibility not to, to be put in a box yeah. to be how we want to be at any given moment yeah. in a relationship without you know backlash or consequence yeah it, you know it's an interesting tension because we even put ourselves in categories we want to be able to talk about ourselves in a certain way understand our own behavior but we also want the freedom to change that if we feel like it oh see so you're even you're refining it even more so i was just talking about how yeah. we do that to others but yeah. you're talking about now like how we do that to ourselves even yeah i mean it's probably both no that yeah sure you know i mean but yeah i think people defy categories too they don't nobody wants to i mean it's interesting because people gravitate toward these personality assessments because they want to have a group a category but then they also don't want anybody to put them in a box. <laughs> yeah. Or complex creatures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, the way you could put it is that, you know, those personality inventories, once again, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but it's kind of a way for us to organize things or organize 
the chaos of beingness or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But we we want that, but then we want that freedom as well. You're ta- that's the yeah. tension you're talking about. There's there's the tension. That's the thing we were talk- we've been talking about, right? Is we want to be able to change, but we also need to have be able to stay the same and have some stability. Mm-hmm. Seek homeostasis as yeah. well. So another way that we talk about ourselves is through story. It's the way that people define themselves too. Like they they exist in their own story. We also all exist in the story that is like passed out for to us from everyone that's come before us. Um, but again, it's just the way that we seek to understand ourselves through putting language to our experience because we feel like that. I mean, it, when you're in a story, we're all sort of the protagonist in our own story. Um, and it helps us feel like we are somebody, gives our lives me, lives meaning, helps us uh, feel like we are somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just another way that we seek to define and differentiate ourselves through language. Language itself is a way to organize and categorize our experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you probably had the experience of feeling like language is limited in its ability to like communicate something, you know? Sure. Um, everybody's probably had that experience um, be- because it is limited, right? And so I think part of what we're saying is like to get into the feeling or the experience of presence or even just being pure consciousness, <clears throat> we have to let go of all of that, all of the words. You think that's true? I think it would be helpful for us to have a willingness to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think some sometimes I think, well, and maybe it isn't necessarily the words and the stories and the identities that we have, but like the thing we have an opportunity to really focus on is our, like on our relationship to those things, Uh like way for us to communicate and experience most times is through the spoken word. And yeah, it's limited. And, you know, to some degree you you need the language right mm-hmm. but if you're if you know it's for me i just wonder if it's like more of like what standpoint from what standpoint are you speaking you know if you're if you're speaking from the from the perspective of okay i'm trying to describe this experience that really ultimately cannot be completely and perfectly captured but i'm going to go ahead and try to use some words that at least point in that direction right (laughs) like your relationship to those words and the story that you might tell it's 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 different it's 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 different than 
Um, using words and telling a story um, from the perspective of the words that I use and the story that I tell is is what actually is what I'm describing mm-hmm. or is the truth. Mm-hmm. Whereas another perspective is like, there's no way I can articulate and explain completely the, the truth of what what's happening, but I will use words that point in that direction so it's like our relationship is the relationship to those words in that story is is a really important factor to consider you know Uh because it's like they're they're just tools maybe yeah they're they're tools they're not they're not ways of expressing the complete essence or truth of Mm-hmm. something or any experience so you you tend to you know you you tell you tell a story um in an effort to maybe help someone grasp something mm-hmm. uh to get some understanding with you know but knowing that you're just pointing them in Mm-hmm. A, like a certain direction rather than telling them a story that is the truth and it, it completely mm-hmm. expresses it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like if you went to space, if you're an astronaut, you know, and you went and experienced space, I assume that's like a kind of like a mm-hmm. one-of-a-kind experience, yeah. obviously, that only a few people get to experience. And then you came back to Earth and tried to describe it to someone like that would be limited. I mean, we, and we've yeah. seen pictures and stuff, but like, what is that actually like? Yeah, the picture doesn't doesn't tell the truth of it. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, give you the experience. Yeah. But if you you know took someone to space and they experienced it for themselves, like it would be completely different. The words are just like. Mm-hmm not even be relevant right you know so i think maybe as we're seeking to um maybe even have an experience of of consciousness that sort of defies logic and language and categorization um it's just about experience, you know, it's just about having your own experience of it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even describe what it's like to, to have the experience of, of just sort of like connecting with the larger self that we've talked about and, <clears throat> um, yeah, just expanding consciousness to a point where you are just, just present and in the beingness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just something that you have to to do and you know i mean we're so like as we're having these experiences and trying to like connect with that um expand our awareness um there's just all these there's just we tend to think in words or images and um there's all these thoughts right which can sometimes get in the way 
and uh, part of our goal is to just sort of um, yeah change our relationship to, to those things let, let those things come they're going to be unavoidable most of the time but um, being able to hold them in a different way and realize that they're just things that are happening to you but not um, you know if you become consumed with a thought or an image or even a feeling like um, you've lost that like observer role mm-hmm. of just being able to th- those being things that you're having instead um, those becoming who you are yeah. you are your thoughts about yourself or whatever mm-hmm. you know um, so differentiating ourselves from those so that's one way that we think about or we you know we've really tried to <laughs> we work our whole lives to become someone you know to have an identity um to differentiate ourselves from others to have some meaning and value um and another way that we you know we we spend a lot of effort and time just trying to get to like a steady state a sense of like comfort and control and being able to feel calm we do a lot of things in our lives to like regulate ourselves you know sleeping and eating regularly and um you know even all of our addictions and the substances that we put into our body that help us sort of like feel regulated and um and you know just uh we're constantly seeking this sense of comfort right and that just helps us feel like um okay right and then inevitably life comes along and sort of interrupts our zen calm and um you know so it's just another way that we uh always are trying to define ourselves and like establish this sense of like this is who i am and you know um you know just that calm state and then it's just interesting to me that life is always interrupting us comes just comes by and knocks over our perfect sandcastle uh-huh like the <laughs> yeah, exactly like the other day i was you know i try to um i've been sleeping in a little bit too much lately maybe for me um so i'm trying to get up in the morning you know and uh my kids will sleep in a little bit so i'll get up in the morning and like maybe hang out in the kitchen and uh take in the quiet Mm -hmm. a little bit and the other day i was you know i felt like i was really getting into something good or whatever getting kind of deep into it (laughs) and there's this dog in my neighborhood oh man that will not shut up like it's the yippiest thing and i swear you can hear this dog for like miles and like but it was totally gone like my whole sense of yeah calm and zen like just totally out the window i was angry it it's the worst thing for a lover of silence isn't it like, <laughs> a dog yeah <clears throat> Dude, but dog, think man. about think about why that experience because you're right it's i'm the same way i like like to be still and quiet and uh, i kind of share that with you 
um, <clears throat> when we're talking about how we're always kind of trying to find different ways to have that, right? Or it doesn't have to be silence, it can be anything, but how that can be really annoying when it, whatever we're doing is, is, it's interrupted, right? And so you're talking about this yippy dog messing up your Zen silence, right? Uh-huh. And, but think, think about how important that experience it is or could be for you. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, why, aside from it obviously being annoying, what, what does that teach you? What does that show you? Well, that's like, a, I mean, in some ways it's like all of life, <laughs> you know, like you're constantly seeking this the stability and comfort and then like like inevitably something comes along and interrupts it uh-huh takes it away yeah you know yeah change or stress or just some thing that you didn't expect so that shows you that as as much as you may try to have some control over your experience ultimately you don't yeah and that things are you know always changing right these are extremely important lessons that you can extrapolate out of that yeah one thing that i've learned Uh from a similar experience and i used to i mean i still get hung up on it in different ways but i'm learning kind of slowly or whenever but especially with like the yipping dog like being quiet and having the yip yipping dog like mess up or interrupt my uh-huh. silent beingness or whatever uh-huh. because I've had so many experiences of that being interrupted mm-hmm. one thing that's occurred to me is like okay well they're gonna be the yippy dogs or whatever uh-huh. so can I try to find that silence out outside of or that contains the yippy dog as well right you see what i mean like yeah, totally finding challenging myself to to expand my experience mm-hmm. of silence or peace in a way that encapsulates mm-hmm. the yippy dog and even the annoyance yeah definitely i mean you have to start to incorporate and learn to incorporate those things into a full experience Mm -hmm. you know i think we sometimes idealize oh i'm just gonna like meditate and like find this really still quiet space and you know you might be able to find that for a few minutes or you know there might be certain times in your life when you are able to accomplish that most of life is like the yippy dog, you know, Mm -hmm. it's this way in relationships too, you know, like when you're in relationships, people are going to like poke and prod and, you know, ask you questions and, uh, annoy you. And, you know, these are even just people that you love, Mm -hmm. you know, because 
it's part of being in a relationship to like have someone want something from you it's part of being in a relationship for someone to want to like know you better which means they sort of like um poke through the exterior and you know like get inside you in a way right which is irritating like by definition that's like what irritation is mm-hmm. um and so like our framework for being in the world has to incorporate that and i guess that's kind of what i'm learning right is that it's not it's not all about getting and i don't know that this is even what i've ever wanted but it's not all about getting to that like i'm just like totally zen all the time mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's not life it's not really real mm-hmm. um then even if you're like live in the middle of nowhere like some people do or in the mountains you know with no one around like stuff's gonna happen well you're still gonna have your mind <laughs> like right. it can be just as tormenting in the middle of nowhere right yeah so you know and what i think the other thing that i would take from this you know our lives being interrupted and and uncomfortable is that that's a framework for understanding like big pains and suffering that what we would term suffering right i mean we're talking about small irritations we're talking about things that are nothing you know barking dog or you know people asking questions these are small irritations that compared to what some people you know experience on a daily basis mm-hmm. in terms of like pain and suffering right but if we if we say the goal isn't to just like reach your zen place and, and be able to sustain that for your whole life like the goal is actually to be able to experience all of the irritations and all of the interruptions and and kind of incorporate that in into like a cohesive like experience of what it's like to be human then that would also include the big big bad things that happen to people Mm -hmm. right and that's not to say that that's an easy thing to do but um it helps us have a framework for you know when people ask why do bad things happen Why, why would this happen maybe maybe that's the wrong question to ask first of all you know like maybe there's not a reason it just happened and the job or the the thing to do then is to figure out how that how to incorporate it like you were saying about the barking dog yeah look sometimes we maybe put too much energy in trying to understand why something's happening rather than mm-hmm. putting energy in trying to integrate it yeah yeah, because we want to understand it, you know? Like, we want to be able to say, oh, this happened so that, you know, I would learn this lesson, or this happened because God hates me, or, you know, because I deserved it, or, you know? Like, there was some, like, force behind it mm-hmm. or something. You know, that dog was barking because it was, because that's what dogs do, you know? 
it's part of life. So then you're talking about how like categorizing can easily become a way of projecting uh-huh. our beliefs, concepts, psyche, whatever you want to say, onto life. Yeah, the way we understand ourselves. You know, um, if you take the narrative approach and say, like, I think about myself as the hero of my own story, and then something bad happens, you know, you might incorporate that bad thing happening as, you know, just a part of a part of the story, right? Which mm-hmm. wouldn't be a bad understanding of it, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it gives you some framework for um, understanding it, and then and then you might talk about, you know, how does how this has affected you and and why it happened to be able to explain that to other people, and that might help you have some solace or comfort about it. But um, there's also like just this the ongoing you know, pain and suffering that you might be in, which is part of your experience that, you know, you still have to be able to assimilate it in some way to form a coherent and cohesive, like, experience of your life, like you were saying about the barking dog. So then it's like, if you're telling a story about how, like if someone is telling a story about how they're the hero of their own lives, right, and they're, they put a lot of, thought into assigning meaning and logic to the story and you know telling the story well and it seems to me like as time goes on and that story is you know continues to live or exist that it would take more and more energy to keep it alive mm-hmm yeah, I mean, like, you could think of yourself... It's easy to think of yourself, like, as a victim, right? Then to take on, like, a a victim story in that case. If you're, you know, the hero of your own story, bad things happen, you know. Um, and that type of, like, victim mentality can take on a lot of energy. And it does for people, right? Um, you go around telling people that you're the victim in lots of different ways. You know, you're the victim when you go to the grocery store, you're the victim when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know, you're the victim when someone um, shuns you socially or one of your family members doesn't pay attention to you or um, doesn't do the dishes or, you know. And so, and that meaning that you have in your own story and about your suffering takes on a lot of energy because you've spoken it mm-hmm. so many times, right? And, and then to like change course and stop being a victim would be nearly impossible. Well, because as time, as time goes on and <clears throat> you have the victim identity, then basically kind of what, what happens is that your maybe reality and uh, experiences are synthesized through that identity and then mm-hmm. that victim identity is just continuing to be confirmed mm-hmm. over and over again because of what you're projecting onto it and then right. as time goes on that that story just becomes more and more and more and more and more true yes for that person 
and more and more and more difficult to get out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's like the only way that you understand yourself. Yeah. And the words at that point have really become um, detrimental. Uh, they have become, you, you have become the story, right? Like we're saying. You, that's a good way to say You it. don't just hold the story or tell the story about yourself. You are the story. Or the story has you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... But there's this other work of, I mean, and certainly like things are painful and you, in some ways you could say you are a victim of what has happened to you, bad things that have happened to you. Um, but if you attach so, so strongly to that story, then um, you don't do the other work of working through like the actual, like maybe physical experience of pain, mm-hmm. right? Um, taking in what has happened and really assimilating it into, um, you, you know, your your sense of beingness, which has to involve pain. Yeah. Because that's part of life. It just happens. And, um, you know, in some ways, like, really attaching yourself to the story about it is one way to help you avoid just going through pain. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. And then I'm thinking, well, then okay, maybe it's more like it's less about the story is the problem, even though it can be. But it's it's how we're identifying, uh-huh. how we're using the story, our relationships to this uh-huh. to the story, so that maybe the idea would be to be able to tell a story without it having you without Mm -hmm. it being Mm -hmm. without identifying with it so strongly that it is the truth ultimate truth or whatever yeah people and people you know they attach themselves to that victim story just you know that's just one example i think of you know the stories that we tell ourselves to help ourselves avoid going through difficult things Um, but it gives them a lot of a sense of like power, you know, to be the victim. Um, and it gives them, it's a way that they get love mm-hmm. from other people mm-hmm. but through pity sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is sort of has become this thing that they, that is used to, um, you know, maybe, maybe conquer the situation, like have some mastery over it and not, not feel the pain so much mm-hmm. when probably what is needed is to be able to is to feel the pain mm-hmm. you know um, and just like because believe it or not like pain isn't going to kill you mm-hmm. it feels like it will but it certainly won't and it's part of like I mean so that so there's the big pains and then there's the small pains the small irritations right that seem like they're not supposed to be there the yipping dog, but they are, they're part of the existence, you know, and that's, you know, it's hard to, that's hard to say to someone who's been through tragic loss or abuse or, you know, so we don't say these things flippantly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because if you're talk if if you're really identified with the story that you're telling, mm-hmm. and it is your reality, and it has become the truth, and someone comes along and maybe even respectfully and kindly suggests an alternative, mm-hmm. typically we're going to get pretty reactive and pissed yeah because it's it's you know at at that point we have become the story like you say or the story has us like we can't make a distinction between the story and ourselves so Mm -hmm. if someone comes along and challenges the story Mm -hmm. our, our experiences that well they're challenging me mm-hmm. when in actuality that's not at all what's happened we've mm-hmm. just identified with the story so much that we cannot make a distinction between me and the story right and so that if someone does that we get extremely re- you know reactive and defensive mm-hmm. usually at that point it's because yeah we've become the story and can't make a distinction yeah, it's one of those ways we hold on to these these ways these things that we say about ourselves these ways that these ways that we identify ourselves and differentiate ourselves from others. You know, mm-hmm. we differentiate ourselves from others. You know, it makes us special to be the victim. You know, in our own story. Um, and if someone challenges that, like it's like they're trying to take away your identity, your personhood, your existence. Yeah, yeah, but. You know, when we when we see people who have endured a lot of suffering, and they they just hold it in a different way. You know, it's not like um, they haven't taken on maybe a victim mentality, but it's just something that's happened and it's been painful. It's not that it hasn't been painful. Um, it has. Um, but it just has become kind of part of them in a way that's sort of unmistakable. They haven't really organized themselves around it. They've more like assimilated, assimilated it, taken it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's part of the goal with irritation and with suffering is to be able to take it in. You know? I uh, Yeah, I hear you. We were talking about that last time in terms of like being able to um, encounter difference and like accept it. Like maybe as we grow um, and expand ourselves, we're able to take and just accept more and more. Um, And it feels that way with maybe our suffering too, the things that we don't that we don't want, that we feel like are interrupting our sense of calm and stability, <laughs> that we should that we should take those things in. I was laughing because I was thinking like I've got this cat that has come on my land that kind of you know was a kitten and it was a stray and uh-huh. she's really cute and I took her in you know kind of fell in love with her and for most part up until now she's stayed outside in the garage but 
now because it's cold like I kind of feel bad and like she's found her way in it's really funny because like as much as I love her and think she's just super cute I will be on the couch or sitting in my chair just kind of like mm -hmm. wanting to like be quiet and relax and the first thing she, you know uh, first thing she does is jump up on my lap mm -hmm. and starts to like clean herself which is like so annoying to me <laughs> on your lap yeah like it's the spot anywhere i am she will jump on you and she'll just start cleaning her paws and you know and it is so annoying and this is just a really silly example but like i've been trying to like really just let that be there you know what i mean <laughs> take it in yeah to take it in but i'm telling you it's hard like, e even something as silly as that you know it's just can be difficult yeah the living the living things in your life uh -huh. will uh will be a source of agitation and uh yeah maybe the goal is to take it all in yeah that's what I'm working on right now with my cat. Silly enough. <laughs> In other areas of my life, of course, too. But that's the as good as any. Yeah, it's that's as good as any. It's no different with the people in your life. Yeah, that's true. You better wrap it up. Okay. Good to talk to you, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, we hope to hear from you soon. understand we drink our wine and wonder